Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Treehouse, episode 38, The Hengist Pod, with Danny Baker and me, Louise Pepper. Yes, indeed, and uh, welcome, everybody, to another three hours of fun for old and young, without the slightest hint of vulgarity. Uh, welcome, of course, to Lou Pepper. We don't do any preamble before it. We sit down uh, uh, and, and we don't even say good morning, so this is not one of those filler bits. We, are, we, we come onto the air with an audible pop. Uh, so welcome, everybody, and uh, here we go with The Hengist Pod. Those who know that will know that, and those who won't, won't. And before we get round to um, uh, the uh, the matters of the day, mm-hmm. because the show does start in a second, uh, Montezuma's birthday, Peps. Montezuma. Now, what do you know about... Mo- do you know anything about Montezuma? And I'm not going to say... Revenge well, is the... You know, I, I, you I, I say I feel a bit like QI. Like, uh, uh, when I no, say no, that. no, not at all. Montezuma. Um, very few people know anything about Montezuma. Of course, in, 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 in Mexico, he, he could fill stadiums. He was huge in Mexico. He was uh, Montezuma II. Not the, Montezuma I is not the one you want to know about. But it's his birthday. And uh, uh, when you go to the Wikipedia page, which, of course, I have about Montezuma, it is without doubt the most difficult page to read because I'm not I'm not fluent in Spanish. Let me put that another way. I don't speak a word of Spanish, but it's that kind of Mexican Spanish where people's names and one of them is, and this is how it's spelt in Mexico, X-O-C-O-Y-O-T-Z-I-N. Now, have a go at that. Have a go at that. Waka, waka, that's, that's how his name is. And it means, Montezuma's name means, stick with this because they usually pan out. Uh, Montezuma's name means he who frowns like a lord. Or, or in some, like in some dialects, he who is angry in a noble manner. <laughs> that's your Montezuma. But what, uh, what we have of Montezuma is when it was... Um, uh, at school, my favourite book, and I did post it in the week on- online. My favourite book, and remains the most influential book in my life, was a compendium of the Book of Nonsense. Uh, there's many of oh, them. By Leah. Uh, no, it, it includes Lear, but it included oh, okay. absolutely everything. It's a very specific uh, a version of it. So I posted a photo of it in the week, and it really did turn me around. I, I could not believe, I was only about seven, that books didn't have to make sense, and not only that, rejoiced in not making sense. And it was Lear, and it was Lewis Carroll in there, but it was every kind of nonsense in there, including a poem that I learned by heart about Montezuma. I'd never heard about Montezuma, and uh, from memory... 
I can tell you that Montezuma met a puma coming through the rye. Montezuma made the puma into apple pie. Invitation to the nation, everyone to come. Montezuma and the puma, give a kettle drum. And it goes on and on like that. So I have a soft spot for dear old Montezuma. Uh, he was described, by the way, Peps, as a... Uh, a spare and slight. He wore his hair just over his ears. A good beard, well-shaped and thin. He took a bath every afternoon and he had many mistresses, but only two wives and only some of his servants knew this. That's from a contemporary. A con yes, only some of his servants were allowed in to uh, know that he actually had two mums, two misses. <laughs> And there's your Montezuma. There's plenty there. I, I imagine a man who bathed every day was, was a very desirable being. In, in, I, mean, I think they were way ahead of us. I mean, this is some time before, of course, Queen Elizabeth I and her, I have a bath once a month, whether I need it or no. Uh, but uh, but uh, Montezuma, yes, uh, very fastidious in that way. And the only other song we know him from, I think, is uh, there's a football chant that goes, uh, uh, we will fight, fight, fight for Millwall till we win the football league. It's not used anymore. But of course, that is the Marines hymn from the halls of Montezuma to the San Francisco Bay. And before we leave Montezuma, and we are going to leave Montezuma, I promise you, uh, uh, there's also his menu that he would like to serve at Montezuma's table. Oh, yes, its own, please. Now we're has talking. Its own Wikipedia page. Corn chips. Soaps, I'm not sure what that is, or sopes, I don't know what it is, with ant larvae, corn smut, fresh shish kebabs with fruit, mm. quail, deer, mushroom soup, algae frat bread, snails stewed in earth oven, grasshoppers in green sauce, crayfish and green iguana stew. Drinking was tolerated at Montezuma's court, but drunkenness not, and the first transgression would be punished by tearing the offender's house down. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Right, this bag, sir. I'm sorry, sir. Get the bulldozers, everyone. They would tear your house down. I was about to say, he sounded quite a reasonable chap until that point. Yeah, until the whole tearing the house down. There was one general, a famous general of his, commanded thousands of men who were... It was just written about him that he couldn't lay off the, um, lay off the booze. And it said, in the end, the fellow drank, or, drank up all his land. <laughs> Now, it's Drunk again, right? It, 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 <laughs> is, it, it is tragic, but that's what you got for being boozed in the era of the great Montezuma. Last thing I'll tell you, uh, the soda fountain was invented today. Now, I'm not... When I see it in American films, and they have soda jerks, don't they? Uh, and soda fountains. Well, I was never sure what one was. Well, I was, I, I, in my head, it was a water fountain like we had in the school playground, but dispensed lemonade. But I'm exactly. guessing that's... It's, it's, it's like that Not fad recently uh, for having the chocolate fountains at parties, you know, and you put marshmallows oh, in. God, that, that yeah, came on. Yeah, no, yeah. I quite like that. That came and went, though, didn't it? Uh, but no, it, it, they literally used to pull in America, and it's 1833 it first appeared. They used to pull it like pints. It, it, it's so, oh, OK. Well, Do you want to put the bubbles in, I guess? Like a... I don't know. I don't know. But over here, no, soda wasn't a thing, was it? Well, you know, it was, some people called it pop or, you know, just a, a lemonade was generally the gen mm. generic for it. But over there, uh, the, the soda fountain was 1833. And the very first soda cocktail or soda, uh, like we had the Knickerbocker Glory. That's all we <sighs> ever had, wasn't it? Knicker I know, beautiful Knickerbocker Glory. Uh, with, oh. with, of course, um, uh, bananas and raspberry syrup. Uh, all civilised people agree on that. But the black cow was the first one, and, and Steely Dan fans would have just sat up going, oh, uh, the Steely Dan got a very famous record. Opening, 
opening track on Asia, I think, Black Cow. And uh, the Black Cow was a tablespoon of chocolate sauce, one cup of root beer, and two scoops of vanilla ice cream. That is a Black Cow. Oh, OK. It's like, yeah, a, it like a Coke float. Well, it's what we called ice cream soda. Yeah. When I was growing up, sticking ice cream in a cup of lemonade. We didn't have um, soda fountains uh, over here. We, we, we had um, uh, uh, ice cream parlours. That's basically, there were a few yes. and far between. Well, that's what you made me think of the Knickerbocker glory. There was one in uh, Broadstairs called, I think it was called the York Gates or the Blue Gates. York Gate, I think, that my nan used to take us to us. First time I ever had a Knickerbocker glory, oh. and it was on a marble-topped they usually um, are. table. Yeah. Uh-huh. Huge, and I couldn't finish it, and I remember feeling really crestfallen. <laughs> what about the long I've spoon? I've defeated. They give you the long <gasps> spoon. You the never long see them long. Spoon. You never used to see those long spoons anywhere else. The irritating noise it made when you fished around for the maraschino cherry at the bottom. But, <laughs> but and of course, uh, we mentioned that the Americans have uh, Steely Dan doing Black Cow. Ice cream parlour is mentioned in... David Bowie's five years. I think I saw you in an ice cream parlour, drinking milkshakes, cold and long, smiling and waving, etc., etc. They've come back in ice cream parlours. They're everywhere. Oh, no, they are, yeah. Now, yeah, milkshakes and all that business. All of that. But uh, uh, And then there's that Tom Cruise. We're, we're going to start the show any second now. Um, uh, and then you've got that Tom Cruise film. Uh, what is it? Where he was a bartender. Because, Cocktail. Yeah, because uh, in uh, soda jerks in America used to make elaborate things about making it in front of. I hate anything like that, don't you? Don't yes. you hate that? Then Just wait. Give me my drink. That, again, that period when waiters used to knock it off their elbow. What do they catch call it? it? Is it flair or something? I don't. It, something it, it, like that. It, it, it's, it's like when you sit down in a restaurant, particularly in America. And, you know, the, the, the too much chat. And the Black Ball, you know, restaurant, when they say our specials are, today are on the Black Ball, like that pub we go to over when we mm. do this in the studio. And there's too much written on the Black Ball. There's too much <laughs> pressure. And you look at it and you think it, it, everything looks like it was written by the President of the United States. It's all over the place. And you oh, right, so uh, you can't do that. Stop writing things on Black Balls. Put them on a bit of paper and put them in front of us. There's too much pressure. That's well, how you ended up with a strawberry beer the other week. I did, yes. <laughs> panicked. Well, I'm number seven. <laughs> because they stand over you, don't stand over us. I went to a. We're gonna honestly, we're gonna start the show, but this is all for you getting it for free. Don't look at us like that. Uh, uh, singing waiters and all of that. And there was a restaurant where we unfortunately went into. It's called Mama Somethings in Disney World once, and we didn't know until it was too late that the gimmick of the restaurant was that the waitresses and they were all waitresses were mature women who hectored you like a mum. Oh. Now you like, come on, I want to see those napkins in there or you're not getting any starters. We'd have to tuck napkins in it. Okay, oh. now, and when she brought the food, I swear to God, where is Dad? Okay, Dad. And she took a bit of my food, mashed it up, put it on a point, went, come on. <gasps> and she started to feed me. <laughs> I know, can you imagine? Me. And she, I opened up and she did the airplane thing. Oh. I promise you. I was fully 42 years old, and you have to sit there with a rictus grin. Honestly, this happened. My dad wouldn't. My dad would have walked. Wendy, my dad would have walked. No, Wendy wouldn't do it. No, 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 don't. Just oh. leave. She, she was the one who broke the, broke the spell. <laughs> we would, when I did this, uh, I mentioned it at the time on the radio, somebody said, there's a restaurant in southern states, and I don't know if you know who Leon Redbone is, but he's a wonderful but very uh, uh, idiosyncratic singer. Uh, wonderful. I've got all his records. But uh, Leon Redbone used to sing like this, and down on the old Mississippi, we'll all play. And he used to sing at the corner of his mouth wearing a pith helmet. Anyway, uh, Leon Redbone passed away a couple of years ago. And there was a restaurant where you get uh, waiters who would be different iconic singers. 
So the Tom Jones waiter will go up to a table and say, have the custard, it's not unusual. <laughs> this is hell, isn't it? And the Leon Redbone would come across and guess who he got? And stood there going, today's specials are the old trim trim, don't be scared. <laughs> well, I've got a pith helmet and a false moustache gave him to Leon Redbone as the starters. Anyway, we, we, oh. what, are we, what are we doing today, Pabs? Um, <laughs> I think these are the topics. Number one, the very first thing you can remember. Very first thing you'll remember. <laughs> <laughs> Meeting someone with your name or something like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the greatest sandwich you've ever eaten. The perhaps greatest served by Leon eaten, Redbow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> did this only happen at my school? And where you were when you first heard a now famous song. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much for being with us. And there we're over the, uh, you know, sometimes tortuous preamble, but it, it led us to uh, that rest. Yeah, come on now, unless you eat up all your mashed oh, potatoes, no, you're not no. getting any dessert. No, out of that. Please, I know, I know. I, I think it's probably still there. Anyway, uh, perhaps give us something you've got. Well, this is um, from the other week. We were talking about budgies. And mm-hmm. this is from Chris in Bransbury. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up in the 70s and 80s, my grandma had a budgie called Joey. Of course. <laughs> yeah. A very sociable little bird. He'd send us Christmas and birthday cards oh. signed Joey the budgie. Sadly, Joey passed on after a few years, but for many years, we continued to receive Christmas cards and birthday cards from Joey the budgie. You see, grandma considers herself a bit of a seer. She also... Oh had a Labrador called Clancy, who's also <laughs> sent salutations, signed Clancy the dog long after her demise. On one visit to my grandma's house, my brother was once admonished for standing on the tail of the wraith of Clancy, who we were informed would always lie on a particular rug. Joey's spirit <laughs> cage remained in a corner of the room as well until Grandma passed on. Oh, they're, 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 you don't have pets, do you? You've not got pets? Uh, we haven't now, no. No, but did you used to send birthday and Christmas cards from them? No. <laughs> that gap, while you looked at me with wild surmise, told me you thought, what? No, no all... Twinkle, Twinkle the Budgie did not send any cards, I'm afraid. Mother's Day, you have to get one from the dogs. Oh, and oh, I, no. write it in, I write it with my left hand, so it looks all scribbly, <laughs> like they've had a go. <laughs> I do, I put spelling mistakes in there every single Mother's Day. Oh, who's that from? And I always make out, oh, they shouldn't bother. Look, it's terrible, we can't write. Every year we do that. I'm sure, I'm, I'm looking around the audience, I'm not alone in this. Of course you send cards from the from the pets. This is um about, again, it's a subject, all their subjects remain open. Uh, what have you slept through? And this is an absolute belter. We had last week that um uh, German bomber or something. Oh, yes, fella, the, 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 the date. He thought his new girlfriend would be interested in an air show. <laughs> uh, I think that might be a subject, actually, misjudging your partner when you first went out. <laughs> That's always yes. thrown back here. Didn't you tell me when we first went out that dot, dot, dot? Uh, anyway, but this, I think, even trumps a German bomber taking off. Somebody sleeping through that. Uh, this is from our good friend Nigel. Nigel says, when I was around four or five, my mum took me to a pantomime. It was starring Ken Dodd. This would have been back in the early 70s. I don't remember anything about it, but as she tells it, as soon as we got into the warm theatre, my eyes started to droop, and once the curtain came up, I climbed into her lap and fell into a deep 
deep sleep. Now, as she was only sitting three or four rows from the front on the aisle, she was visible from the stage, and before long, Ken Dodd noticed that at least one member of the audience wasn't paying attention. He made a joke of it and declared he would have none of it. He was wearing at the time a huge drum, of course, the great drum of Notty Ash. And for the opening part of the show, a marched around the stage, bashing away, saying, let's sleep, if you can sleep through this. I snoozed away. <laughs> so he brought out some cymbals. Crash, crash, crash. Nothing. He reached for his trumpet. I was still away in the land of Nod. For the rest of the show, Doddy made it his mission to wake me up, but I was completely gone. My mother tells me it was the most excruciating time of her life. <laughs> she tried jiggling me awake. She tried pinching me even in an effort to stop the embarrassment. I stayed awake, I stayed asleep right until the end. Though the car journey home, uh, and only uh, through the car journey home, I only woke up once we pulled up right at our house. I asked her once why she didn't leave, and she said, because that would have been rude, wouldn't it? Now sleeping through Doddy's best efforts. Thank you, Nigel. That, for me, trumps even the uh, airplane taking off. Something new, something new, Peps. This is from... Uh... Oh, Gary and Runcorn, this is the first thing you can remember. It's a lovely scene. A toddler about two years old stood up in a cot in a Liverpool hospital with lots of other babies in cots. That earliest memory is of me. Yes, that little toddler trying to grab the attention of the nearest baby by throwing a teddy bear oh, over the no. rails of the cot. I can remember other crying babies and also laughing. Last week, I celebrated my 50th birthday, but I can still remember this. However, the background is not so innocent. Picture the scene, a winter afternoon. I'm upstairs in a terraced house, a stone's throw from Goodison Park. My mum's in the mm -hmm. loo and I'm crawling around and found the paraffin oil heater. <laughs> when oh, my mum came out of the loo and found me coughing, she thought little of it. But the coughing continued and then she smelt it. My breath stank of paraffin oil. Man. I had gone and found the bottle of paraffin oil for the heater and drunk it. Not all of it, I think. Hello. Quick 999 call, an ambulance ride to Walton Hospital and hey presto, my earliest memory is formed. It is, it is, now, I don't, don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I'm sure paraffin isn't good for you, but isn't yeah. some glycerin and stuff in things that um, you give to babies when they're constipated? I don't know. I'm, I'm I don't thinking think it's about paraffin it. oil. Well, can't you put a wick in their mouth? They'll go until Christmas. But they, no, I, I know it's not. Paraffin is not. I'm not. I am not Donald Trump. I understand you can't drink paraffin. <laughs> this, this is not an endorsed. No, this is not an endorsement method. of that. But tremendous first memory. Now this one. Uh, this is a, a listener who's been listening. Ian's been listening since the days of Kegger. Oh man, that's a long time ago. Uh, and this is the first word you and your partner. Well, I, I, let me get to the end before uh, I reveal that. He says, it's a terrific story. It, in the late 1980s, I found myself watching a band at the George Roby pub in North London. They had a female drummer who was playing a tricks on kit, similar to my own drums that I bought in 1983 and I still play today. <laughs> After the gig, not being shy and chatting up musicians, I went over to the drummer and said, that was a great gig. Yeah, yeah, Trixon, huh? That's the kit I've got. Oh, have you? Yeah. Anyway, it's not mine. I just borrowed it. Oh, uh, you, you did a, a number by Love in that, didn't you, Arthur Lee and Love? Yeah, we did, yeah, 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 you'll be, you'll be following uh, Arthur Lee and Love. Well, you, you're a fan of theirs. Yeah, it was, anyway, yeah, we will do, I like that one. I was getting nowhere. Anyway, great gig, I said, thanks. I hadn't been trying to chat her up, but still felt a little like that, and then I got up and I finished fourth, as I used to say. Cut to the early 1990s. I went round to a friend's house. 
He is a reasonably well-known musician, at least in the underground circles. He introduced me to his new bass player and the bass player's girlfriend. We got on famously. We enjoyed many evenings together at gigs and pubs down the years. Now move on. It's 2008. This bass player's girlfriend found herself single, and so was I. We've been good friends now for nearly 20 years, and I proposed that the two of us go on a date. Yes, we'd known each other 20 years, and I asked her out. After an enjoyable evening, we went back to her flat for a bottle of wine and started playing records. She told me she'd been in various bands down the years and put on an album by one of her old groups and handed me the sleeve. I looked at it. It's not a band I'd heard of before. I looked at the track listing. Hang on. You did a cover of You of, of you I'll Be Following by Love. Yeah, we always played that. Did you play the George Roby pub years ago? Oh, a quarter of a century ago. George, George Roby, yeah. We played there a lot. Oh, dear Lord, my friend of 20-odd years was the drummer I chatted up at the end of the gig earlier and now, happily married, I can categorically state that the first words I ever uttered to my wife were, hey, great gig, you've got a tricks on drum kit like mine. (laughs) How about that? That's from Ian. 25 years in gestation, that is something. Uh, The mealy mouse first conversation only sparked by seeing the album cover. That's a wonderful story, if I might. What have you got there, Peps? Uh, this is from Lee. This is um, things that were only at your school. Well, I, I don't... Funny enough, as you read this, you start to think Lee actually hasn't reached the episode where we bring in that subject, but he's he's ah. presciently <laughs> written about it. Having recently discovered all the podcasts in the treehouse, a bit behind, <laughs> but understanding there is no subject closed... <laughs> You were, list- you were talking recently about fountain pens hmm. and reminded me we were awarded fountain pens if our writing was neat. But it also rem- reminded me of another thing from my first school in the 80s. Whereas in your first school you normally had jobs like milk monitor, one of the jobs we were allowed to put our names forward for was dog monitor. The head teacher, Miss Benning, used to bring in her dog, a cocker spaniel by the name of Daisy Bell. Oh. Took it in turns to look after the dog at playtimes and lunch breaks. This was a much better job than milk monitor. And to this day, I have a thank you card from the dog for looking after her. Oh, well, that's a beautiful that's... dog monitor. That is unique to the school. You'd fight uh, over that one. Oh, completely hand up to... You, you were a monitor, of course. Pepto, I asked you this before. Have I you were a monitor? I, we, I was a register monitor, which oh, involved being able to take the register. Didn't have to, you couldn't take the register, but you could... Uh, take it back to Mrs. Sarson in the office. Great. So you were allowed to roam free through the sh- through the school to take it back. Uh, this is about uh, things that only happened at your school. Laura, my wife, went to a very odd girls' school in the 80s. They were very protective of their wooden flooring in the gym. So before assembly every day, during which they sang Jerusalem, and I mean they sang Jerusalem every day, some unlucky girls had to pull out the drugget. Yes, the drugget. I've never heard of one either. A drugget, apparently, is a stinky old carpet made of a hessian-like material, thinly stuffed with wool, for all 800 girls to sit on. She reckoned it was probably a pre-war fabrication. Since she, since then, she has never heard the word drugget used, and nor has anyone else. The drugget would be put away after for the rest of the day, during which, if you were unlucky enough to have PE, to, in which you had to wear the uniform, which consisted of a pair of pants that had to be put on over your old pants every single time, and this was the case there until she was 16, they also had, for refreshment afterwards, a Kit Kat vending machine... <laughs> that sold only three-fingered Kit Kats. Has anyone ever come across a three 
fingered Kit Kat just at her school. It was while she was there that she wrote her first teenage angst poetry, which I know used to be one of your subjects. It went like this. Depression overcomes me. For what have I to live? Life is such a bore. And I am such a div. <laughs> Thank you, Neil. His you don't get wife... div enough in poems. <laughs> His wife uh, didn't want to get in touch with us, but she said, "Go, well, you can send it off if you want. So thank you very much indeed, uh, Neil. <laughs> now, the reason we've been, by our standards, cramming in emails is because we're going to play on the other side of this break uh, the uh, Golden Shop vinyl game. And today's contestant is an old friend of the show and an old friend of mine. It'll be like a road film. I'll be Bob Hope. He can be Bing Crosby. Peps can be Dorothy Lamore because <laughs> Danny Kelly joins us to play this game on the other side of these adverts. Also from something else. Mel Gedroich is... Quilting. Listen to Mel and good friend Andy Bush as they learn a great new skill and tell some brilliant stories, all whilst having some good, wholesome fun. In a nutshell, I took a pair of scissors and I went into my husband's wardrobe. Now, this comes from a shirt that I bought him that I know he doesn't like. So I'm testing him by... <laughs> uh, uh, this is brilliant. Yeah, by finding out... When he discovers Amazing. that the shirt has got a big patch out of the back of it. Wow, and which area of the shirt is this taken from? Bottom right. Okay. <laughs> Listen now in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all good podcast apps. Good morning, everybody. It's the Danny Baker Show, radiating out across the airwaves. Come the sunshine or the rain, come aboard the Danny train. We'll kick our slippers off and throw our cares away. What better thing to do than have a jolly jape or two? Don't touch that dial, there's nowhere else to go. Come and join a happy session, wave ta-ta to the recession on the Danny Baker Show. Take it away, Danny. Well, welcome back, everyone. You wouldn't know this, but it's uh, the, the gap in the middle in real time here in the, uh, what, you know, laughably is called the real world. It's been about six hours. It's been about six hours uh, because uh, we're going to be playing the uh, Golden Shot vinyl game with my good friend Danny Kelly. Uh, now, who's a pro and has got one of these home studios that everyone, everyone is happening with nowadays? Uh, well, we ring Christine, we ring Anne on the phones, on their mobile, straight through. It's taken us six hours to get through the <laughs> Network of ridiculous. We were absolute babbling into the ether. But anyway, here we are. We are all returned, and uh, uh, perhaps you're you're still there because we lost everyone. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I'm here. And the audience, one trust is still here. Uh, so uh, we are going to move on in, in instanta with the um, Golden Shot vinyl game, which is the first celebrity edition of it. <laughs> the very first celebrity edition of the Golden Shot vinyl game. And here is my very good friend, Danny Kelly, to play it with us. Good morning, good morning Dan. <laughs> morning, Dan. Yeah. Um, very, very, deli very delighted to have been unmuted by host there, so I can talk to you. Very good. That's all, all this. I use my powers. Literally, a wing. Yes, she does. Yeah. As I always say, you know, the, it, it nearly didn't happen. They've they've lit uh, bonfires in oil cans on the runway to bring us down. We'll get down safely. We'll be fine. Uh, so, Dan, uh, firstly, you are calling us from uh, where you live these days on the continent, don't you? Not on the continent, in Ireland. 
I do. I'm, ring, I'm, I'm ringing you from, uh, I mean, I've got to be honest, uh, I, I, I genuinely feel terribly sorry for people locked down in London or in flats and things, but I'm up here in the hills in Kilkenny, and uh, it, for me, it's actually been a holiday, because as you say, I've got the equipment, so I'm broadcasting um, most days of the week to, back to, to England. Um, no, it's lovely. I'm, I'm, I'm sat in bucolic space. Yeah, not only that, but, uh, you know, people with a substantial record collection can find plenty to do, plenty to do. My records have never been oh. better filed. <laughs> Absolutely. And and uh, suddenly, after two years since I moved here, the books have started to move around the property yeah, as well. Nice. So it's been fantastic. Very yeah. nice. <laughs> do you combine music and film books? Do you separate them? Who knows? I've uh, uh, got a very vague selection. Uh, behind me, every night you can see it in my Good Evening photograph, but they're mainly... Uh, See, I only have one genre of books, which is humorists. Yes. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, Second World War. Humorists and, and biographies yeah. of said. And, yeah. and various copies of the Goebbels diaries. But uh, uh, ah. now, you're one of the, uh, however long this game lasts, and who knows? Who knows how long this yeah. will go? This is the early days of this. You're one of the few competitors I will ever play with whose collection dwarfs my own. So you're going to think this is a micro game of going along the shelves. You, you have you... Yeah, but, uh, but what I like about yours is the, the way you have... Um, made it like the, the the garbage compactor in Star Wars, <laughs> so you you could actually you could actually feel that you were going to die in your record collection. Which would be a great way to go. Of when, Wendy I'm has observed you. this several times. You know, if they they collapse, you you've had it because they're going to collapse in there. Yeah. Uh, well, what a way what to a go! Way to what go. a way to go! I mean, you know, you've heard the story a million times. When I was once filing at the very top of mine, I don't know, lived in London. There were there were twelve feet off the ground. Some of them. And I fell um, filing a King Tubby album, and uh, <clears throat> I fell backwards and fell all the way backwards into a table football machine that I owned. Oh yes! Now I was pretty bad. I was pretty badly hurt. All I could think about on the way down is. Why is this King Tubby album on the team? Surely it should be under K. <laughs> exactly where it should have been. And not that if you had expired during that, and I'd have said, what album was it he was reading yeah. for? They said a King Tubby album. I said, that's how he wanted to go. It would have been how I wanted <laughs> well, to what's go. What's going to happen yes, is yeah. I'm going to uh, point and we're going to go along the shelves, like the Golden Shot, up, left, down, right. And it depends on yeah. the value of the record you choose. I'm sure we'll have one or two things yeah. to say about these records. At the moment, our good friend Christine chose with two albums, one single. That's what you get the chance. Of 335 right. pounds worth of vinyl, just pipping and we've done 330 quid's worth uh, of vinyl uh, uh, when she first did it. The, the fellas who have played it useless. They're pulling out. <laughs> yeah. They're pulling out things like Joan Jet albums. With all great disrespect to Joan, you're not going to get a tenner for a Joan Jet <laughs> album. Uh, so uh, Christine and is in front 335. Then I now stand up. And what I do? Yeah. Now, listen, and before we start, I don't want to delay this any longer than I need to. I, I'm, I'm suffering from a physical disability that means I have to be careful not to go to certain parts of your record collection. One of the option, one of the upshots of the uh, the virus is that I can't go back to London. And just before I left London, I had one of my smaller front teeth removed because of a, a, a thing from 30 years ago. So I'm waiting to get uh, a cap for it, a crown, whatever they call the thing these days. Um, so as a result, the only word, the only letter in English language where you push the air to the back of your top teeth is the letter F. And as a result, I'm pronouncing Fs very, very oddly. So, so I'm trying to avoid, I'm trying to avoid you pulling out fishbone, fishbone and zombie. I am definitely hoping that we don't get Stevie Wonder for fulfilling this as a finale. And also, but please don't also pull out a Rosillo's album. Very flight of the Rosillo's. 
<laughs> it sounds like then you're pronouncing the old high S as they used to in the in the 16th century. No, I'm, I'm missing one too. <laughs> when you say the old bills of mortality in there, that long F, of, that's how you're. Well, I can't tell you how much my fingers are crossed now that at least foul yeah, but, might come yes, out. Yes, of course. And of course, in, in the work I actually do to, to, to pay for my record collection, I have to say financial fair play all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, back well, to the game. Back to the game. Oh, uh, dear. And then I've got a, a, a pronouncement on the other end of the, uh, the game. Uh, so here we go. I'll start by facing the um, what I like to call the West Wing. And you take your time. You know, take your time because yeah. this, this is free. Uh, people are only got. I have some. I have some advantage over other uh, players because yeah. I've been in that You've room in that time. But bear in mind, and I know all, all the, the all yeah. my. It doesn't actually affect you. Uh, tastes don't lap over entirely, and uh, upstairs uh, are all fine. Beatles, Beach Boys, Stilly Dan, and Stones and stuff. Stones are all upstairs. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, but then here, you have one of the few people who might recognise some of the more uh, esoteric titles. So I'm standing up. I'm pointing into the yeah. middle of the collection. You can say fire straight away, no, of course. But uh, oh no no, uh, I, I want you to. I want you. I want you to go left towards the Debenhams Road. Sorry. Okay, that's, that's, that's <laughs> left. The left. left, that's left. Le and there are six yeah. shells, uh, so I'll yes. do anyway. So and I'm starting in the middle. Off you go then. Left, right, right up, down, and away we go. Oh. Up, up, down, and then, and then left, 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 yeah. left, and fire. That's what you quitter. It's, uh, a, oh. it's a it's a Leonard Cohen bootleg, a good one though. Oh. It's a Leonard Cohen bootleg uh, called uh, Angels at My Shoulder. As far as I know, it's one of those uh, grey area bootlegs of Leonard Cohen, 1993, uh, live in, in Berlin, I believe it is. Uh, first we take Manhattan, ain't no cure for love. So it's a 20 quid piece. Uh, Leonard Cohen, your thoughts? Um, well, by and large, first of all, your thoughts on bootlegs, because by and large, when we used to be sitting around uh, drinking Prascati like table water, um, you, you, not, you don't really tend to go in for the end, endless bootlegs, even your favourite people no, do, you? No, oh, do you? but there's this new no. thing, isn't there, yeah. where we're by all old radio shows and that are now fair game. So you're getting some pretty good ones. I think this is what this is. It's recorded from a radio broadcast. Uh, but Brea Cohen himself, you, you like, I take it? Ah, look, look, brilliant. I mean, one of the very few people who've managed to translate actual poetry into popular music, but, and this is not an original thought, um, the, the domination of the world and its airways by Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. You're right. But it's like the... It's like the bloke only wrote one song and chiselled it out which, uh, into stone. It's in uh, in '93 at uh, the complex in Los Angeles where this was actually recorded. Uh, it's not in his set, so that that, that, that shows you. Okay, that's, that's spot on. We're, we're yeah, you can one. hear Hallelujah just by walking in the street. Yeah, can't okay, you? I'm going to take the microphone with me. That's the thing to do, oh, so yeah. I don't have these accidents with it. Okay. No, Nothing can go wrong now. When, when you said the trash compactor from Star Wars, I now <laughs> realise yeah. exactly what you mean. Off you go. I'm yeah, pointing again. Um, uh, uh, down this time. And, uh, I don't want you to have to bend too far with that microphone again. Uh, and right, and right, and fire! Okay. <laughs> Man alive! Man alive! <laughs> it is Bunny Whaler's Liberation Album. Bunny Whaler's oh. Liberation Album. Uh, now. Well, so I. I've, I've gone home you there, really haven't I? You've really gone home. I mean, I, honestly, yes. you've got Bonnie Whaler's Liberation album. Uh, how much you would know better than me? I think that's only a score in itself, isn't it? Or maybe more? Yeah, I, I, I think it, for two reasons. One, it's it's by no means his best, best record. And 
you know, kind of lost interest in them. You can buy, you can pick up liberation. Is it, is it, am I right in thinking, have I gone mad? Is the gatefold up the wrong way? Yes, it does. The gatefold opens the wrong way. See, everyone? No detail too small. Yes, the gatefold opens the wrong way. The actual record, yes, it's almost upside down. It is. Now, now, uh, uh, give me the track listing on liberation, oh, please. The audience no, no. might want to go out and make themselves a cup of tea or have yeah, a smoke. Yeah, sure. The track listing is uh, Rise and Shine, Liberation. That's it, stop there, stop there. The, the value of the record, that version of Rise and Shine is no good. Oh. But the 12 inch, the original 12 inch on Solomonic, the English Solomonic label of Rise and Shine, goes for 80 or 90 quid. Does it? Go and check, you've got it. Uh, yeah. Brilliant record, but that's a very poor version of the same song. What do we know about track three? What do we know though? about track three? Bota, the mosquito. <laughs> <laughs> Bota, the mosquito is track three. Well, you know, at least if you're going to write a song, you can either go mysterious or make it self-explanatory. That one's self-explanatory, well, uh, isn't I'm it? I'm going to allow it. Uh, I'm going to give 25 quid on that, which brings your total to 45 pounds. 45 pounds oh, yeah. here on the first ever celebrity edition. Why didn't I think of this before? Take in the microphone with me. The last few weeks I've honestly been oh, just about to over the uh, knock the mic over six times, which always gets edited out, I hope. You 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 didn't say that I've got all the gear down, but I didn't know I I I haven't set the gear up, I'm just doing this in the little microphone of my computer. How do I sound? Good. It's, it's all right. Real good. A little underwater at times, yeah. but that's fine. Uh, here, oh, you know, the, I should have set up all the gear then. No, no, you're saying fine. It's, 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 it's all right. Here we go. All right, good. Now you're onto the singles. Uh, Right. The singles. Uh, there's got, how many layers? There's plenty in there that could bring you up to a winner, even though you're only on forty-five pounds. You need, yeah, you need a, a three hundred pound single to go into the league. But here we go, and they are here. So he's got his mask on. Here we go. Then up, down, <laughs> left, right, up to you. So um, in this case, go left, 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 mm -hmm. and fire. Simple as that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you had gone up. The Bowie ones were Ooh. there, where you had your three hundred pound records. Hang on, you told me that the Bowie things were another no, the room. singles. The LPs are upstairs. Ah, uh, all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, up in my office thing, there's that cupboard. Anyway, um, so what you've got here, and it's a beautiful record, of course. It's the EP of the Beach Boys. God only knows, British. Oh, beautiful God thing. God only knows yeah. here today. Wouldn't it be nice and Snoop John B. Again, oh. twenty-five quid. It's mint, but uh, that takes your total, I'm afraid, to just uh, sixty pounds. It's a 60 pound total, okay. 25, 50, no, 70. Uh, I'll give you 25 quid on that. But a beautiful, funny weather in the Beach Boys, stylist, you know, stylistically, you're doing fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah but and I, Leonard Cohen. I could have drugged up a lot less than that in that room, I'm sure. You, you, you could have done. Well, Dan, um, uh, it's, it's the first time we've broadcast since the, probably since the television shows on Sky, uh, not, not BT, wasn't it? I think that's the yeah. first time we brought together. But I yeah. hope I uh, uh, don't uh, tread on any toes here to say that we will be very, very soon, one way or the other. Baker and Kelly will rise from the grave. The brand <laughs> the world wants. Honestly, it's going to be called Baker and Kelly are risen from the grave. I think absolutely. I think it's been too long, and uh, we will start accepting yeah. bids or one way or the other to bring the brand back, including next year, everyone, a actual live tour, a actual. Yeah. I have two If such yeah. things still exist in a year's time, uh, <laughs> yeah. Danny and I never work better than together. So, uh, uh, Dan, thank you so Absolutely much true. for taking part. Bless you, man. And, and bless you, Lou. And bless you, you Phil. Stay and, safe. And the, you all soon, yeah? yeah you better. Well, uh, the great Danny. You've got no records in your room at all, Louis. No, I'm in my <laughs> husband's wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, that's, no, that's not an excuse. Would you that's like not, a tie? An excuse for having no records in there. <laughs> Next week, I'm going to have you'll I'm going to have my be, record collection. You'll be able to play the game. You'll be able to play the game with his jeans later when, when the records run out. 
And there goes the great uh, uh, Danny Kelly. Uh, apologies for any um, uh, audio you know, dropouts there might have been, but it's, it was a wing and a prayer these days, a wing and a prayer. But uh, it's yeah, across uh, the seas together. Across the sea, that's it. That's it. It was nation speaking unto nation there. And uh, beyond that, of course, uh, the Baker and Kelly are risen from the grave, oh. will be available for football fans in the very near future. Uh, we've got to I've just announce that to him, but he didn't blanch. Did you see that? <laughs> <laughs> what have you got over there, Peps? This is from Bruce. My neighbours had one record. Mm-hmm. As a kid in the 60s, I lived in a two-up, two-down terrace house with thin walls. Our neighbours were called the Walkers, and Johnny, yes, Johnny Walker, I don't think it's that one, mm-hmm. only had one record. He would play it on a Sunday after he'd had a few pints and, uh, and it was outside of his Sunday roast. At about three in the afternoons, we would hear its dulcet tones. Then, on a Wednesday or Thursday evening, when Grace, Mrs Walker, was at bingo, he'd give it another run. It was an LP of steam locomotive sounds. Oh. Which varied, as Johnny proudly explained to me over the garden wall once, from small tank engines in a shunting yard to the mightiest locomotives the GWR LNER had to offer as they hammered through the land. He found them the most relaxing sounds he'd ever heard, and he'd never worked on the railway, just liked the sound. Sounds like my dad. <laughs> well, see, As an aside... Just, so I was just going to jump in, because Danny Kelly, of course, uh, I've got some of those railway sound effects and bizarre things like that, but Danny used to work on the railway. He would love that LP. Danny oh, worked, my... Until he was 28, Danny was uh, the complaints officer on Victoria oh. Station in London. <laughs> Nothing he's ever done since with people, you know, trolls and everything can ever. No complaints <laughs> he's ever had about his broadcasting. He's steeled. He's been in the fire. He was the complaints officer on London Victoria Station till he was 28. Sorry, Pep, what you saying? No, no, I was going to say that my, uh, much of my child has been spent looking at steam trains because of my, my dad's love of the steam train. And my dad's great hate is watching anything old where they put a steam train in it and then they put twiddly twiddly music on it. I want to hear the train! <laughs> so my dad would want that <laughs> record. See? Yes! Oh, <laughs> livid! Livid! So you know, something put, like the Railway think, Children and they start, yeah. you know, a remake and the steam train pulls into the... Yeah, he wants to hear that. And the music starts and Dad's like, oh, this is terrible. Well, here's oh, something that, that, that uh, uh, Phil, who sits <laughs> twiddling his thumbs and saying, hurry up and looking at his uh, watch during this, uh, producing the show, Phil Wilding. Phil, there's something on my little board of tricks there called All Aboard. <laughs> and it is the steam train effect I use. And in honour of your dad's peps, uh, your dad peps, and, and, and indeed anyone who's been nodding along with what you just said, for the first time, I'll give you 15 seconds of All Aboard without any interruption. Here it comes. I hope you got enough of that and your father enjoyed that track, especially for him, Mr. I, Pepper. Uh, what, <laughs> sorry, Pepper. No, 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 he'll be thrilled. I said, just there was a little PS from Bruce. Mm-hmm. For my first vinyl LP, my sister's boyfriend gave her an LP for her birthday and she loathed it and gave it to me, saying, and I remember this with gra- gratitude, you're stupid, you'll probably like this. 
I was 14 and I loved it. And at 63, still love it. Bob Downs, Deep Down Heavy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Says, I'm yes, sure you have it in your collection. Yes, I do. I actually do. I could reach behind me if we hadn't already <laughs> taken that to saturation point and pull it from the ranks. Yeah, it's a 50, 60 quid album. I think might be even more. Uh, this is Nick from Littlehampton, and this is virtually apropos nothing. And at first I thought, well, what's this? You know, I don't mind getting uh, uh, random emails, as they say. But this is a beautiful story, and I shall incorporate this into some future screenplay. It says... Uh, I think my dad and yours, Dan, would have got on famously. His name was Michael and his best friend was called Roy. In the early 70s, Michael and Roy were on four days off from the fire brigade in Hayes, Middlesex. Back then, it was a done thing to have a second job and they both moonlighted as delivery men when not on duty. Mid-morning on a hot day, Michael and Roy made a delivery just off Smithfield's meat market in London. The heat was ramping up, so they had a couple of pints in a pub. They watched as the sides of beef near the market made their way from the rear of the lorry via a hook system into Smithfield itself. Clever that, they said to each other, and then they hatched a plan. They decided to wait until the workers were having a break, then quickly reverse their van with the rear doors open, grab a side of beef, pull it into the car, and make off with enough meat to fill their freezers for a couple of months. Another pint later, the workers were now thinning out, having their lunch at the other end of the market. Roy lined the van up. Michael opened the rear doors. They walked towards the racks of meat. Then Michael shouted, Go, go, go now! Roy floored the vehicle right up to the target. Michael reached out, grabbed the side of beef and shouted, Now! And Roy sped off up the road, leaving Michael swinging back and forth from a side <laughs> of beef still very much attached to the Smithfield meat market. Bemused workers came out and looked on in confusion. Once did stop swinging left and right, Michael calmly dismounted his meat swing, nodded to the workers and briskly walked up the road to now idling van. <laughs> How about that for a heist going wrong? <laughs> Hanging on to a side of beef, swinging in the wind on a hook. <laughs> thank you so much indeed. That's from Nick. And thank you for that, Nick. It's, it fits no subject, I don't think, but what a beautiful oh. image. Something from you, Peps, to finish. Oh, I don't know if I can possibly... No, no, not the top. It just uh, give us something from out of there because uh, we're once again falling behind with the emails. But please uh, go down the list of subjects on the link I often post on uh, at Prodnos, and uh, you can see every subject, all of which remain open. Or indeed, like Nick, just just tell us something like that. Give us something, perhaps. <laughs> well, this is from uh, Richard Furlong. He said, 20 years ago, whilst an estate agent, I was given a book entitled Richard Furlong." The owners of the house I was selling were having a clear out and found it. It had been written nearly a hundred years ago. It's not like my name is John Smith. I still have the book. I can send you a photo of it. No, I haven't read it. How Richard, you've that's, been that's... given a book with your own name and you haven't read it. Simon Price in touch. I've just moved house. The previous occupant was called Simon Price. <gasps> We've both set up Royal Mail re-delivery and much of our post still ends up in some infinite feedback loop. The only way of breaking the cycle was to change my eBay name and the middle names. That's the only way you can get around that. There are so many of people who have that. Uh, you meet someone with a name exactly like yours or indeed uh, as near as damn it. And just last one, I'll bring you here from... Um, uh, again, tidying up business from the last show. You might have remembered somebody told us that uh, uh, 
uh, Leonard Pierce, who played Grandad in the original Only Fools and Horses, perhaps. Mm, uh, yes. Was it he, um, he shook hands with Hitler? Or he he shook hands with Hitler. Well, the story is that Hitler had come to see his show in the 30s. That's right. And he it, was, and uh, it, I don't know why I said it was Charlie's aunt, and Hitler, unlikely as it is, went along to see a performance of Charlie's aunt and afterwards shook hands with the uh, cast, including Leonard Pierce's future Grandad in Only Fools and Horses. Uh, but this uh, correspondent, I don't have a name for this, I do apologise. It says, apropos of Leonard Pierce, and Hitler. While I can't verify if Hitler did like their Amdram and variety, I do know he liked the Dagenham girl pipers because my grandmother was one of them. August 1939, the month before war broke out, the Dagenham girl pipers toured Germany and performed in front of Hitler in Berlin. My grandmother tells me he commented, you know, I wish I had a band like you here. They returned home just two weeks before war was declared. My mother wasn't in the group who toured, as she had by then left, and in August 1939 would have been heavily pregnant with my mother. I do apologise, I thought you meant she was one of them. Uh, she was a Dagnum girl piper, but she did not entertain the wow. fury, which is in her favour. Uh, you live near, you, live, you know the Dagnum Yeah, girl I grew up pipers, near right? Dagnum, yeah. yeah. Daggy uh, Market uh, on a Sunday. Any of the Dagnum girl pipers out there, please uh, get in touch. We'll just reunite the band. And I think that may do us. Play the theme tune, <laughs> Phil. One, two, three, four. Climb up, go in, let's cozy down Wave goodbye to that silly frown As we chase our cares away In the treehouse The fire's on, it's warm inside We guarantee you'll be satisfied As we laugh the day away In the treehouse Take it away, Danny! Always do, Wisby. Well, thank you very much indeed uh, to Louise Pepper, of course, uh, co-hosting the show with me, uh, to my old cohort, Danny Kelly, uh, coming in on a wing and a prayer in Ireland, to Phil Wilding, uh, producing the show, Josh and everybody over at Something Else for giving us the platform. But as always, chiefly yourselves. I'll see you Wednesday. Next time on The Treehouse, Soaking a Stranger. Astounding examples of good luck. Moving something really heavy. And tales of taping something. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.